Amen, amen, and amen. Well, you find your seat and find your place in your Bible in Acts, and we're going to be reading there this morning in Acts chapter 22, and we're picking up uh, Paul's story, and he's giving a defense. He's proclaiming what God has done in his life. So this morning, we're going to look at Paul's testimony. Anybody here got a testimony? No, are you going to heaven when you die? Take me to a place, tell me where you're saved. Amen? All right, Paul's going to do that. Three times in the book of Acts, Paul gives his personal testimony. We find him back in chapter 9, here in chapter 22, again in chapter 26. We'll find Paul telling his story, his story, his story. If you don't have a story, you need to get one this morning. If you've never been saved, here in just a few minutes, Jamie's coming back to sit at the piano and play. And when he sits there and plays and sings, I'm going to stand right here. And if you're coming to trust Christ, once you get out of your seat from the very top row, it'll take you a moment down these aisles and you come and say yes to Christ today. Come, put your hand in my hand, give God your heart, and see with the Lord. If you've not got a story, come get one this morning. If you've never been baptized, I want you to be baptized and come and trust the Lord and sign up and be ready uh, to be baptized, be a part of this family, then you come. Paul has a story of transformation, and you need that story as well. So we're in Acts chapter 22. Now, I want you to back up. This verse will not be on the screen, but back up to verse 40 of chapter 21, and you'll see that verse where uh, when Paul, he's in custody. And he's talking to the captain of the guard, and he said, let, let, let me talk. And when he had given him permission, Paul, standing on the stairs, motioned to the people with his hand. He gestured, so we know he's a preacher. <laughs> and there was a great hush. Shh. And he spoke to them in the Hebrew dialect. And then he began to tell his story. Well, this morning, I want us to look at his story, and we're going to read the passage in three distinct portions. And I want you to see this as Paul gives his story and then ask you if you have a story, then make application, give an invitation for you to come and you say yes to Jesus, just as Paul did in this text. So we begin with Paul's past, his past. It's in verses one through five. So notice it right here, Acts 22. Beginning in verse 1, he went on saying, brethren and fathers, hear my apologia. That's the Greek word, defense. Hear the defense I'm about. He's not apologizing. He's giving a defense of what has happened, which I now offer to you. And when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew dialect, they became even more quiet. And he, that is Paul, said, I am a Jew. Born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city, Jerusalem, educated under Gamaliel, strictly according to the law of our fathers, being zealous for God just as you all are today. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and putting both men and women into prison, as also the high priest and all the council of the elders can testify. From them I also received letters to the brethren and started off for Damascus in order to bring even those who were in Jerusalem as prisoners to be punished. So Paul begins with his story saying, look back at who I used to be. He has a past. Friend, if you're in this room, you're saved, you have a past. You may not want to talk about it, and that's okay, but don't ever forget where God brought you from 
to where you are today. Look at Paul's past. He's a Jew. He's very zealous for God. He went to church all the time. He's educated under Gamaliel. He knows the Old Testament. Gamaliel was the liberal Old Testament teacher of the Old Testament scriptures. This is a religious man. Listen to me today. You can be Catholic or Protestant and still go to hell. Your religion won't save you. Only Jesus can change your life. And I encourage you, you ought to join a church, you ought to be a part, but there's a lot of people. If the rapture came right now, there's a lot of folks across the central time zone be left sitting in the 11 o'clock service. Baptist, zealous, but not Christ followers. Paul's got this passage very religious, but not only was he religious, he was mean. He persecuted the way in verse 4, the way, the way, it's a capital letter. They knew the church not as Christians in the beginning, they knew them as the way. Why? Because they followed Jesus who said he was the way. Not only was he commissioned by the high priest in verse 5 with letters to go and get these people. Notice in verse number 4, I persecuted this way to the death. This man was a murderer. He bound people, threw them in prison because they were following the Christ. And later Paul would write the epistle to the Romans. And in that book, that verse most all of us know, in that third chapter, he said, verse 23, all have sinned. A-double-L, all have sinned comes short of the glory of God. That's, that's every one of us. We've all sinned. But he went farther than that. Back in verse number 9 of chapter 3, he said, both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. Both the Baptists and the Protestants and the Catholics and the Muslims, all are under sin. He goes farther than that in verse 10. He says, there's none righteous. No, not one. Friend, you can't get good enough. You can't be good enough to go to heaven. It's not in you. There's none righteous. No, not one. But he went farther than that. In verse 11 of Romans 3, he said, There are none who seek God. None of us were looking for God when God found us. You, you were going down Sin Street. You, you were going down Lost Avenue. You were not looking for God, but God was looking for you. You don't seek him, but he sought you. He came knocking. He came calling. He came wooing. He came convicting. But you were lost. And he turned you and said, come and follow me. Paul had a past. It was a religious, vile, wicked past. And some of us sit here today, religious people, but lost. 
then there are many in this room who sit here today redeemed, looking back at a past, and we say, oh my, I wish I hadn't been there. But thank God he got me out and brought me in. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Paul's past. But then we pick up the text in verse 6, down through verse 16, and we see Paul's pardon. Paul's pardon. Look at it. He, he begins in verse 6. But it happened <laughs> that as I was on my way approaching Damascus about noontime, a very bright light suddenly flashed from heaven all around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? I love that response. <laughs> he said to me, I am Jesus the Nazarene, Nazarene whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me, they saw the light to be sure, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, get up and Go on into Damascus, and there you will be told of all that has been appointed for you to do. But since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. A certain Ananias, a man who was devout by the standard of the law and well spoken of by all of the Jews who lived there, came to me, standing near to me, saying, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very time, I looked up at him. He said, the God of our fathers has appointed you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear an utterance from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to all men of what you have seen and heard. Now, why do you delay? Let me ask you that question, friend. Why do you delay? Get up and be baptized. Wash away your sins, calling on his name. Paul's got a past. It's a religious, godless, mean-spirited past. And he's walking down the road toward Damascus, and a bright light flashes. And he's blind. And he hears a voice. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He answers, who are you, Lord? He didn't know, but he knew. He said, I am Jesus the Nazarene, whom you're persecuting. And Paul asked that question in verse 10, what shall I do? Hmm. Well, he was blind, he couldn't see. Somebody took him by the hand, led him down to Damascus. Back in chapter 9, we hear the underbelly of this story. Ananias just shows up in chapter 22. But back in chapter 9, the Spirit of God goes to Ananias and says, Ananias, go down to the street called Straight. There's a man there, and I want you to go speak to him. His name is Saul. And Ananias has his own little dialogue. He said, Lord, you know that's that dude killing everybody. And the Lord says, you'll be fine gold. And Ananias shows up and preaches the gospel and shares with him. Paul believes his sins washed away. Hallelujah. Ananias takes him down to the river and baptizes him. From there we know of Paul's own testimony that he would soon go for two years away to be discipled. 
and then come back. But here is his pardon. His sin is washed away. His sin is washed away. And friend, you either sit right here in this room today or listen to me wherever you may be. You either sit in your own sin or you've had your sin washed away. That's what we've just been singing about. But the blood of Jesus that washes our sin away. And then Paul went down to the river and he was baptized. Baptism didn't wash his sin away. The blood of Jesus washed his sin away. And then he was baptized and came up out of that water. Hit the road to discipleship and then he hit the road to world missions. We see Paul pardoned. Have you got a moment in time where you can tell me you were pardoned? Can you take me to that place and tell me that time? We see Paul's past. We see Paul's pardon. And then we see Paul's purpose. Verses 17 through 21, look, look at it very quickly. The text goes on to say, And it happened when I returned to Jerusalem, was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance, and I saw him saying to me, Make haste, get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony. And I said, Lord, they themselves understand that in one synagogue after another, I used to imprison and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of your witness, Stephen, was being shed, you remember we preached about Stephen weeks ago, I also was standing by approving. Remember, they laid all of the coats at his feet, watching out for the coats of those who were slaying him. And he said to me, go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And back in chapter 9 in his testimony, it says, You are my chosen instrument, and you will bear my name to the Gentiles, to kings, and to the sons of Israel. God's purpose for saving Paul was not just to take him to heaven, his purpose was to send him into the world with the gospel. This morning I preached at the 9.30 time and after service a young man came and gave me this card and shared with me some Valdosta State uh, College University with the Baptist Campus Ministry and he had a group was headed to New Orleans to start missions work tomorrow. They came down lined up right here and I spoke to all of them and talked with them and he said thank you for preaching and sending us out and commissioning us like Paul to go into the inner city of New Orleans. Let me tell you friend the reason God saved you was not just to take you to heaven. Thank God we get to go there. But he's saved you to send you he sent you wherever you are. You're to go with the gospel. That was Paul's purpose, to go to Gentiles, kings, and the sons of Israel. Well, okay, that's the introduction to the message. Now, just very quickly, one, two, three, four, let's apply this text to your life and to mine. Number one, first application is that salvation is in Christ alone. No other name given among men whereby you might or can or should be saved other than the name of Jesus. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. You could put in there, I am the only way, the only truth, and the only life, and no man goes unto the Father but that he comes through me. Jesus is the way. And in chapter 10 and verse 9, Jesus said, I am the door. And then in 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 2, he said that he himself is the propitiation. Say that word with me. He himself is the what? Say it one more time out loud. Propitiation. propitiation for our sins. Don't say it real loud. Just spit on the floor in front of you. The propitiation. 
You're the propitiation. He says for our sins, but not just for mine, not just for ours alone, but for the sin of the whole world. Hallelujah. <laughs> Propitiate. What in the world does that mean? We don't use that word. It also means expiation. We don't use that word. It means to atone. Now we're getting to a little bit of what we might use. What it means is paid for. He propitiates. He pays in full. Pays in full. Somebody's going to pay for your sin, either you or Jesus. My wife, she's probably in this service. She went to the store this week and went out with her stuff and she started putting it in the car and she'd been to the self-checkout. But she forgot she had three cases of water underneath the deal. She just flat stole <laughs> Best water we've ever had at our house. I've been drinking it all week. And she said, what am I going to do with that? I said, I don't know. You the one stole it. I didn't steal it. <laughs> See, she went out and she had not paid in full. I tell you, friend, Jesus didn't just pay for part of your sin. He paid for all your sin. Amen. All your sin. I used that in early service. I walked out here in the hallway and a lady met me. And she said, oh, pastor. She said, I'm so glad that Liz did that. She said, I rolled out my whole buggy the other day and forgot to pay. I, I took all of it. I took everything. She said, I called them and said, what am I going to do? They said, take pictures of all the items and then we'll add them up when you come back. Liz said, I'll go back next time. I'll get those three things and I'll just pay for them twice. It'll be paid in full. Amen. I tell you, friend, Jesus paid it all. He didn't pay part of it. He paid all of it. He is the propitiation. He is the expiation. He is the atonement. He is the one who paid it all. Give him praise, glory unto God. Somebody say amen. I'm not even sure anybody in this service is going to heaven. Are you in? God help us all. You see, Jesus died and he gave us salvation is in Christ alone, not in anybody else. Number two, you can have full assurance of your salvation. Full assurance of salvation. Friend, you know the Bible says in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13, these things I've written to you that believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may hope so, think so, maybe so. No, no, that you may know that you have eternal life. If I die this week, if they have my funeral here and they put me in a box, don't you come by here worrying about where I am. I'm here to tell you I'm going to glory. I, not because anything I've done, my preaching won't get me there. My preaching won't get me out the door, let alone above the ceiling. Nor will yours. My giving? No, sir. The only thing gets me there is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can rest assured that you're going to heaven when you die. 
if you've put your faith and trust in Christ. These seniors lined up over here a couple of weeks ago, and they walked by here, and we hand them a book, Pilgrim's Progress. I got a copy of that and read it again. I've read it again and again and again and again. I've read Pilgrim's Progress. And always I love it when I get to that part where Christian is walking. He's got that backpack on, and it's burdensome, and it's heavy, but he finally gets to Calvary, and he gets to Jesus. And the burden falls off. He's set free. When the burden, it doesn't mean he's in heaven yet, but his burden falls off. He's still going through hard times. He's going through, but his burden, let me tell you, when you come to Jesus, your burden falls off. You no longer carry your sin debt. Jesus has paid it all, and you can know that you know you know you're going to heaven when you die. Now, if you don't know, everybody look right here. Put your phone down under your thigh. Look right here. They slide it under there. You can go back to it in a minute. You send that text in a minute, tell them you're listening to a preacher. Look right here. It's the most important thing you'll ever do in your life. Friend, if you don't know Jesus, and if he's calling you right now, you know him, just ask him to save you. Say, what do I say? Say the words Paul said, Lord, what do you want me to do now? You just tell him, Lord, what do you want? And then just say, Jesus, save me. Let's just pause right here. And then I'm going to finish up. Just bow your head right now. If you're saved, if you're saved, thank God for where you were saved. Just thank him right now. I would bow my head and say, Lord, thank you for Thursday in Vacation Bible School, 1963. But if you're not saved... If you're not sure, just say, Lord, save me. Lord, I ask you to save me right now. That's all it takes. That's where assurance begins. You, you take the first step of the journey, and the burden falls off. Lord, I pray now and thank you that, that you're doing the business of eternity with people in this room today and online and other places. I pray, oh God, for by grace they'd be saved through faith. Not of ourselves. Lord, we can't save ourselves. We can't believe. Unless you draw us. And I thank you for the miracles you've done in this room right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen to me. Look right here. If you prayed and asked the Lord to save you in just a minute, when Jamie sings, I'm going to stand right here. I want you to get up out of that. From the top row to the bottom, I want you to get up and walk right down here and take me by the hand and say, Pastor, I prayed today. I trusted him. Amen. I want you to come rejoice with us. Don't be ashamed of the name. You come. Say, so, oh, I'd be scared to come. No, you come. Nobody in here going to give you trouble. If they do, we'll deal with them. This is the easiest place you'll ever confess Jesus. You, you just come right here and let me know. Number three, third application, acknowledge Jesus in baptism. What did Paul do? He believed, then he was baptized. You say, I was baptized as an infant. You don't know that. You, don't, you can't remember that. You, you don't know. You say, my mama told me. Well, I'm sure your mother's a reputable woman, and she probably wouldn't lie to you about that. But you don't remember that. See, baptism is not something somebody else does for you. Baptism is your own personal stand. It's where you make your personal acknowledgement that Jesus, when they put you under the water, died for you in symbolism of burial, and then that he rose for you. That's why we put you under the water, bring you up. That's the way Paul was baptized. That's the way Jesus was baptized. It's the way the Ethiopian eunuch was baptized. Everybody you find in Scripture got baptized, got wet and deep. It's like burial. 
and resurrection. Hallelujah. If you've never been baptized, if you haven't been, you know, come right in and take me by the hand. Say, Pastor, I'm ready. Be baptized. We'll, we'll do it. We'll be ready. You come. We'll baptize you. We'll set that time. And take care of that. You come. There'll be a lot of kids in Bible school next week. We'll talk with them. We'll wrestle through with them to make sure they know. Then here in two weeks, vacation Bible school. If you've never been baptized because that you've trusted Christ, come today. Take me by the hand. Say, Pastor, I'm ready. Ready to do that. And then number four, very quickly, and we're done. And that is, plan to tell others boldly. Why did God save Paul? He saved him to send him. He saved him to send him. 2 Corinthians 5 in verse 20. The Bible tells us, therefore, we are what? We're ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us. Amen. We beg you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. It's like God is speaking through us. You're a witness. God speaks through you. We say, come, be reconciled. Come, 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 come to Christ. Have you ever told anybody about Jesus? God will use anybody. My wife's a thief. She stole water, but God used her this week to share the gospel. <laughs> she shared with a person. She was in a store, and she began to talk with her and shared with her about Jesus. And, and she and then finished up and said, you already know him, don't you? She said, yeah. You see, you make some of the best friends in the world when you share the gospel. You meet other brothers and sisters. Right. Said, so would God use me? Yeah, God use you. I shared before, I think, five people this week. I don't always do that well. See, I wouldn't know what to say. Well, I'm glad you said that. Out there in the foyer, there's a round table got flowers on it. I put these tracks out there. There's a few of these left, these bright orange. There's a gospel track. got the four spiritual laws on it. Then there's the uh, Your Best News little track that we use all the time around here. You, you just go by there. Take you one of those. Take two, three. You, you did, and then ask God to use you to share that with somebody this week. You say, I wouldn't know what to say. Well, it's right there on the card. Either just give it to them or read, share. You're out to eat, just ask them if they know the Lord. Give them a good tip. Don't be cheap and then give a gospel track. Amen. Keep your track if you're not going to tip. Share that with somebody. Your neighbor. Then there's also an invitation to Vacation Bible School. Just find your kids that are living around you and give them a VBS invitation. They're out there at the little tables over at the side. And just make a bold witness. I've shared with you, I remember, and never forget the first time I ever shared the gospel. I got saved when I was 10, but nobody ever told me how to share the gospel. And I was a young 16-year-old and having a table down front of the church, and they had us all come. and They trained us how to share the gospel. We trained Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night. They trained us how to use it, how to use the gospel. And they said, now, before you leave on Wednesday night, write the name of somebody lost an address and put it in this big bowl down here at the front. So we all wrote it on. They said, now, when you come back tomorrow night, you go in there and you fish out a name, and then you go tell them. We had about 400 come Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We had about 200 came back on Thursday night. It's kind of like Baptist ratio. Everybody wants to know, about half want to do. I'll never forget it. Pam, you with our international group, they go everywhere sharing the gospel. It's what we do. I walked by there and I, I reached, it was on the community, I reached in there and I got that name. And then they paired you up with somebody. I got paired up with George Sizemore, 68 years old. I was a teenage kid. 
I went over and sat down. I opened up my name. Oh, Lord. I'm a senior in high school. Junior, just about to be a senior. This girl's a cheerleader. She's a twin. She's gorgeous. Samson would have said about her what he said about Delilah. She looks good to me. And God sent me with an old man to this beautiful girl's house. We went, George had a name. They knocked on the door. He did. Nobody's at home. We walked back to the car and I prayed by faith in Jesus' name that I'd get one just like his if there'd nobody be at home. (laughs) Well, we went back and got in the car and drove down to her house, knocked on the door and her mother came to the door. And I said and called her name and is she home? She was a twin, identical. She said, no, she's not here. And I thought, glory to God, but her sister is. And I believe I heard the Holy Ghost say to me, I can't tell them apart either, just go on in. (laughs) And I went in and I read a gospel tract to that girl. I read it to her word by word. You can look it up in the Guinness Book of World Records. It is the worst gospel presentation ever made in the history of the New Testament church. And God saved that girl that day. You see, it's not you. It's the gospel. I looked at her and I said, this make, and I was going to say make sense. And she said, yeah. She prayed, trusted Jesus as her Lord and Savior. The first time I tried it, it worked. It's not you. It's the gospel. And God saved you to give out the gospel. You say, I wouldn't even know how to do it. We'll get you one of those tracks out there and just ask God to use you this week. He'll do it. He'll do it. You got a business? Give them out. You go to work? Give them out. Put it on your desk. Just share the gospel. That's why God has saved you. That's what he did with Paul. When we see Paul's past, then we see him pardoned. We see his purpose. To go with the gospel. Now, some of you prayed to receive Christ a few minutes ago. When Jamie starts to sing in just a moment, I want you to get up out of your seat. You can come while I pray. You can come while he's singing. I want you to come take my hand. You say, you know, I'm here and I'll join this church. Then come. I'm here and I ought to be baptized. Just come take me by the hand. Say, preacher, what's going to happen then? We're just going to get you one of our people. Take some information. Nobody's going to make you stand up. You don't have to sing a song. You, you don't have to quote a verse. You're not going to give a testimony. We're not going to embarrass you in any way. We're going to love you in Jesus' name. We want to help you make your profession. Proclaiming that Jesus is your Lord. If you prayed with me just a few minutes ago, I want you to get up out of your seat. If you're a child, get up and walk right here. We'll help you discern that. If you're here, a whole family, you you come. You're here with somebody, you know, they're lost. Maybe just reach over and squeeze their hand while I pray. You squeeze that hand, you're saying, I'll go with you if you want to go. God's calling you today, then you just step out and come. Joining the church, coming for baptism. But if you prayed with me, come tell me today. Come tell. If you're online and you've prayed with me today, write us a letter, 1836 East Olive Road, Pensacola, Florida, 32514. Just send us a note. You can find that on the internet, and our address will be right there. Write us a note and let us know that you've trusted Christ this very day. We'll reach back to you. We'd love to hear about you trusting Christ. Father, in Jesus' name, all over this building, all over this building, I pray, Father, that people would settle eternity. 
and call on your name. Grow your church. Strengthen the saints. And save the lost, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. We're on our feet all over this room standing. Get up, coming. Coming unto Christ. You've prayed. Now come and let me know while Jamie's singing. You step out and you come.